hello? I mean, and, and, and then on the other side, I don't, you know, I, 1 Corinthians chapter 1. <laughs> My. And, and the church, but we have to, and then you have people saying, well, if so-and-so gets there, I'm not going to vote. When you don't, uh, you know, oh. we have to be engaged, guys. We have to be intelligent, and we have to be engaged. You have to study. You have to know the issues. And I want, you know, I'll support Donald if he gets nominated just because he has my name. Can't be all bad. But I'm waiting to find out if he has a plan other than I'm going to make a good deal. The whole campaign is, I will make the best deals ever. All right. Um, so anyway, and 1 Corinthians chapter 1. Taking the leap of faith and just our season of opportunity that we are in. We need the church, the body of Christ that needs to rise up in this season. We need to vote intelligently. We need to be engaged in our communities intelligently. So many crazy things are happening around us. This is our season really to have and become a voice again for truth. Amen? And uh, it's kind of where I'm going with all that. But uh, before we read 1 Corinthians chapter 1, I want you to look at the cover of your outline. And we're trying to finish this this morning. And... Uh, so, uh, and give you something. We won't get through the whole outline, but it's written in such a way you can study it yourself and glean from it. But the key verse we've been on is Hebrews chapter 11 and verse 6 that says there on your outline, it is impossible to please God without faith. Please say the word impossible. So does that mean it might be possible? No. No. Impossible means not happening, right? It, it just, it, it is impossible to please God without Faith. So faith has to be something that I'm engaged doing. It's not something that I'm just believing. It's not just saying, and it's kind of like I, I shared the illustration. I can't just join the team, get the uniform, wear the uniform, sit on the bench, and never play in the game. I have to be a participant. I have to be engaged. I have to be active. Amen? And so in doing that, anyone who wants to come to him, come to God, must believe that God exists and that he rewards those who sincerely seek him. Father, I thank you this morning as we move into this message. I pray that by your Holy Spirit, Lord, you will open each one of us in the area of our understanding that we may see something that we have never seen before, hear truth revealed to us that we've never heard before. And Father, believe it and receive it in our hearts so that it would take root and produce what you declared it would, that 30, 60, 100-fold return of a full-formed life in you. And we give you praise for it today in Jesus' name. Everybody said? Amen. Amen. So say this one more time with me. And I, I hope you're getting this confession. When I write these, I try to, I, I, it's so important that we say something that declares something in our lives. That daily you have confessions or things that you're saying or you're watching over uh, what comes out of your mouth. David said it like this in Psalm, I believe, 144. He said, God set a guard, a watchman at the door of my mouth. But watch over what comes out of my mouth because words are seeds and, and, and they produce and, and it creates a harvest and people in relationship. J just say aggravating things to one another. 
And watch what happens. Oh, we're not getting along. Well, what are you saying to each other? You're ugly. You're stupid. You did the dumbest thing. Okay, how's that working out? All right. So say right thing. Father, today I choose to break free from all doubt, fears, insecurities, and lies of the devil that seek to hinder and restrain my faith in you. No longer will I be content to be a spectator in the kingdom of God. Today I choose to take the leap of faith, believing to see all that you have purposed to come to pass in my life and to live for your glory. And everybody said, amen. 1 Corinthians chapter 1 and beginning in verse 26. And actually, I'm going to read it to you out of the, uh, the Holman translation. And it says this, beginning in verse 26. Brothers, consider your calling. Not many are wise from human perspective. Not many powerful. Not many of noble birth. Instead, God has chosen what is foolish in the world to shame the wise, and God has chosen what is weak in the world to shame the strong. Verse 28, God has chosen what is insignificant and despised in the world, what is viewed as nothing, to bring to nothing what is viewed as something, so that no one can boast in his presence. But it is from him that you are in Christ Jesus, who became God-given wisdom for us, our righteousness, sanctification, and redemption, in order that as it is written, the one who boasts must boast in the Lord. Amen? Now, last week, I pulled out this little dollar bill that I found as we were cleaning up over in the fellowship hall and getting the kitchen ready for last Sunday, and uh, the... uh, our, our old espresso machine that is there, and on top of it, on one of the little shot cups that catches the espresso shots that come out of the machine, this dollar had been wadded up. It was torn completely apart on, on this spot right here, and, uh, and it has these holes in it. You can see through, light through it in different places, and holes and tears and frailed around the edges. It looks like George blew his nose way too hard and had a blowout in here in the middle, and uh, so all this stuff, but it just it just, just frayed and everything else. But, but I found it, and I applied grace to it. I brought strength to its weakness, and I applied tape to it. Are you with me? And so now it's been redeemed by grace and made whole again. And it carries all the scars from its past, but what it has is it's restored back to value. Okay? But because it was only a dollar, it was just watered up and stuck in the cup. Because it was only a dollar. You know, you just can't do much with a dollar, especially today. You can go to the dollar store, but you can only get one thing from the dollar store with one dollar. Amen? So, but really, you know... But this is what we just read. This is what God said he would use. The things that the world says aren't of much value, aren't of much worth. And he would use it in such a way that he would get the glory. Amen? 
And so many of us, we came to Christ, and this is, this is just a, a perfect picture of our life. I was broken. I was a mess. I, I was just lost. And then God graced me, put me back together with his grace, and added his power, his strength to my weakness, made me whole, made me complete. And now I'm spending the rest of my life trying to spend myself for God. Amen? So look at the cover of your outline. This is my question. Is it only the five, tens, and twenties, and hundreds that God uses? See, in, in, in our concept, especially in America, God uses the beautiful people, doesn't he? He uses the smart people. He uses the, the, the talented people. God just uses special people. Amen. But that's not true. God uses everybody. Amen. And he gets the greatest glory when he uses restored people, broken people, healed people, is when he gets his greatest glory. So it's not the fives, the tens, and the twenties that God uses. Look at we just read it. It's, it's not the why. It's not the noble. It's not all those things. God, it's not the strong. God chooses the weak, the humble, and the broken to use for his glory. Amen. First Corinthians chapter 12 is in your outline. There are different kinds of spiritual gifts, but the same spirit is the source of them all. There are different kinds of service, but we serve the same Lord. God works in different ways, but it is the same God who does the work in all of us. A spiritual gift is given to each one of us so we can help one another. Or in the kingdom of God, God puts everybody on the same level and on the same playing field. Everybody is equal in the kingdom of God. There are no five, tens, hundreds, and twenties. There are just ones. Are you with me? There are just ones. And God uses us in different way, and he spends us in different way, but it's him that's getting the glory for what he has put inside of us. In the economy of God, we are all given the same value and reward. In God's economy, everybody is of the same value and receives the same reward. If you go back and read Matthew 25, you can read the parable of the talent. It says that he called them together and he gave them talents according to their several ability, and they went out and how they used what was entrusted to them, how they used the gift that was imparted to them based how they were rewarded. And so the guy who had five turned it into ten, and the Lord said, well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful over little. I'll make you ruler over ten cities and over much. And then the guy who got two and did the same, the guy turned five into ten, and then the guy came along with two and turned it into four, and he got the same reward. He didn't get like, well done, thou good and faithful servant. You only got two and turned it into four. So I'll make you ruler over, you know, one and a half cities. Hey. No, he got the same reward exactly. In the, the kingdom economics is different than your natural mindset in the way God works. So God has gifted you. He's equipped each and every one of us. And all we have to do is take that leap of faith, believe in what God has given to us, and then begin to use it for his glory. Could you say amen? When we do that, we receive the same reward. And, and, and the, the inference there and the implication in the scripture is that if the gentleman who had received the one talent had turned it into two, 
If he just would have turned it into two, if he would have used it and applied it and just put it in and got interest out of it, he would have received the same reward for faithfulness. Are you with me? Or the reward of stewardship. So God doesn't play favorite. The other one is where the owner of the land went out and started hiring uh, uh, people to work for him. He starts in the morning and he's finding people all throughout the day and hiring them, go and work for me and I'll pay you a full day's wages this much for the day. He keeps going through the day and going through the day. He gets down to the last hour of the day and he finds a guy sitting and says, why don't you work? He says, nobody's hired me. He says, go work for me and I'll pay you what is right. And so then when it comes down to pay time, he starts with the guy who worked the one hour. And he gave him a full day's wages for working one hour. Are you with me? And everybody goes, wait a minute, he worked an hour and I worked all day and he's getting the same pay. Are you with me this morning? And the master said, wait a minute. Am I evil because you are? I have the right to do whatever I want with what is mine. That's why the last will be first and the first will be last. Because in kingdom economics, it's not a matter of who comes in where, who does how much more, or who. You're working, you were hired to do the task that he asked you to do. Are we doing okay? All right. It challenges us, doesn't it? Praise the Lord. So look at this. In the economy of God, we're given the same value and the same reward. The reason the dollar illustrates the kingdom of God best is because none of us is supposed to be able to do it all by ourselves. There is no number one. In America, we've made ministers superstars. I'm sorry, we're not. We're people. (laughs) Hey, Ben, I think sometimes I try to overemphasize that too much. I probably shouldn't. But we are. The, the, the only thing that differences is, is we, everybody has received a gift. And so ministers are ministering out of their gift. I'm going to illustrate this in a moment, and uh, it'll help us see. So why? We're not supposed to do it by ourselves, but through the value of addition. How many know in the book of Acts it says that God added to the church daily? He added to the church daily such as should be saved. How many know this is only one dollar, and I could buy one thing at the dollar store, but if I had two dollars, how many things could I buy? Two things. If I had three dollars, how many could I buy? So if I kept adding ones to this one, my power would increase. Just by adding one to it, it would increase. Amen? And that's what God said. He never asked us to do it alone. He asked us to be connected to each other. One connected to one. And he deals with this one on one. And one to one. And one with one. Look inside your outline. We need the value of others added to us. You need the value, every one of us, you need the value of others added to you. You are not enough on your own. Okay, nobody, God never ordained that anybody would be enough on their own to do and fulfill his purpose through their life. Our purpose is connected to the corporate value of the body of Christ. Get this, we are one in one. Okay, I put the number one and then one capitalized as Jesus is the one. We are one in Christ. Jesus is the one. He's the big one. 
He's the one. I'm not the one. He's the one. Do you understand what I'm saying this morning? But I am one in one. Okay? And the moment I am one in him, my value becomes the value of him. See, this is just a dog, and this is just one, but the moment I am one in one, woo! I'm now compounded. Do you understand that? But the devil wants you to stay just one. And he wants you to stay there because he wants you focused on Fred who did this to you. And Betty Lou, who did this to you. And, and, and then there was Georgia May, who actually tore you in half. <laughs> and then there was Billy Bob Thornton, who like stuck his finger right through your nose. And then there was all these other guys. That did, and he wants you focused on your pain instead of on your wholeness in Christ. The devil keeps moving you back and pointing out your scars. And, and you have a hanging chad here from where you tried to vote last time. And... <laughs> So, but, and, and so, but he wants you focused on your pain instead of on the grace of your wholeness. Do you understand that? And, and, and so he keeps you isolated because he doesn't want you to be. Watch this. So we are one in the one. In Christ, we are no longer one. We are one. Are you with me? Different, two different things. We're one. And we are the only one the devil fear. Jesus is the only one the devil fear. He's not afraid of, the devil is not afraid of an individual believer. You out here by yourself, you're just a dollar bill. You can have all your belief, all your personal everything, but you have no power as one. But the moment you are in the one, that's what he fears. So he doesn't want you in one. He doesn't want you in Christ. That's why Paul said, what's so important, when you read Paul's epistles, the major theme of all the Pauline epistles is in Christ, in Christ, in Christ, in Christ, in Christ, in Christ, in over and over and over and over again, bringing us back to the living reality of who we are in Christ. Look, at we are baptized into him. We, we, we are placed in him. We are set in him. We are members in him. We are not just floating believers, as I've said before. We're not out here. The body of Christ is not strong when we're just floating. <laughs> and we're just out here chasing the Spirit. It doesn't work that way, does it? Yeah. Amen. This little dollar gives me so many ideas. But anyway, <laughs> stay with me. So what? It takes a leap of faith to find our connection in the body of Christ. It takes a leap of faith. Because we're taught, you live in a world and society that tells you your value is who you are as yourself. Your value. And people need to respect you. People need to understand you. And then you come to Christ and you're told to lose your identity in Him. Amen? But it goes all the way back to the beginning because even in marriage... See, why are our marriages failing? Because people don't want to lose their identity. You want to keep your identity as who you are as a single person, who you are as yourself. But the Bible says you come together and you get your identity redefined. You're no longer one. You're now one. You were ones. You were onesies. 
And you don't get married to become twosies. You get married to become one. And then out of the union of one, you produce new life. And the new life is greater than you could ever produce as onesies. And as long as you have all your standard as a onesie, you won't even be a twosie and you will never be a one. (laughs) And what comes out of this is greater. Because out of this came my life with my wife, my children, and now all of my grandchildren. By August, I will have seven. Amen. And they are awesome. They're from little baby Grace who just turned a year old to JD who's 20 months to Jake. <laughs> but I, don't, I couldn't have them by being one. I only had them because I found an identity as one in my wife. And in Christ, we find that identity. But that's a leap of faith because I have to give up all my entitlement as a onesie to become a one. Are you doing okay? All right. So watch this. I wish I knew why both services go to a different direction. I have the same notes. (laughs) Amen. Okay, let me illustrate it like this. Tony, you get to be Jesus again. Go to your spot. You know, we already practice. Okay. Okay. Tony is Jesus, okay? All right, today. Well, if any man be in Christ, he's a new crowd. Okay, he's in Christ. Okay, he's, we just see him as Jesus, okay? Now, Rudy, get up behind Tony and just stand right behind him straight. Okay. And then Robin, get behind you. Debbie, get behind her. Come on, <laughs> yeah. Watch it, Katie. Come on, come on. Isn't that cool? They're all in single file. They're all one in one. And then I come along. How many know I'm not being one in one? Because that's not what he's doing. What's he doing? Standing. What are we supposed to be doing? Whatever he's doing. Amen? All right. Matt, come over here. Now, Matt, he's a believer, but he believes he can just be here. So Matt just stays over there. Say, Matt, are you in Christ? Yes, I believe in Jesus. I didn't ask you to believe in Jesus. I asked if you were in Christ. Yeah. And then, Wayne, you stand up over here. And then, Wayne, sophisticated, astute, intelligent, exemplifies decorum, manners. Are you in Christ? Amen. Amen. Okay, that's good. That's why you're over there, huh? Amen. So where's everybody that's in Christ? Okay. They're they're in the one. Okay, but these guys are believers, but where are they? 
They're not in Christ. Are you with me? And so their strength, their ability. And so then what we hear, the Holy Spirit is always working on us to move us into a place of alignment in Christ. Into our place. So if we read on in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, we're going to read, if you, if you read down there, you find that we're all put in the body of Christ, that God sets us in the body. So what's happened? I, I, I'm calling on people. I called from Jeff and Katie, and I call these people, and I'm calling their name. And I tell them, now get in that place. And so I'm orchestrating this, and I'm setting them in a place. And so they're in the order that I set them. So if Jeff would have said, wait a minute, I think I should be where Rudy is. But wait a minute, that's Rudy's set place. That's Rudy's place. And so the moment, the moment he steps out of where he's set to where he wants to be instead of where God set him to be, he is no longer in authority. And he no longer has any power. And he no longer has any covering. Because he's no longer under headship. Are you with me? And so the safest place he can be is back in his set place, facing the right direction. <laughs> Amen. And these guys out here, we just keep preaching until they get a clue on where they're supposed to be. We just keep preaching until they get a clue on where they're supposed to be. So you want to be a pastor, huh? Welcome to my job. <laughs> All right, guys, go sit down. Thank you. <laughs> right, <yeah. laughs> but wait a minute. But then there's always that person in the line that's, that wants the attention. Because it's not about you. It's about the head. And it's about a body. And it's about understanding. No, no, no. Are you with me this morning? Yeah. All right. So the leap of faith, it takes a leap of faith to stay in the now with God. In, in season, in the place it, where, we're, where we are pressing forward to the prize. It's so important in life not to get distracted. You have to fight to maintain your press, to keep your focus on God's purpose for our lives and through our lives. Hear me. He never ceases to desire to do great things through us. No matter how long you live, how long you're alive, no matter what you, God will never cease to desire to do great things through you. But it always happens by us being one in one. And that takes a leap of faith to move from being out here in everything I've heard, everything I've developed, and, and, and my whole concept to give that up, to be able to come over here and to find my set place of identity in him and just line up with him so that when, the, listen, the apostle, Jesus said, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. We should be able to say, if you've seen me, you've seen Christ. The apostle Paul wrote to the church at, at, at Philippi, and he says, follow me as I follow Christ. So Paul says, I'm following him. So you fall in behind me and follow me as I follow Christ. 
Are you with me this morning? And, and, and that should be our position. And then as we're there, we have to believe that God works through that, that the greatest place of value for my life is found in him, that I go from just being a one, that my value is now intensified by being one in Christ. So he never ceases to desire to do great things through it. And the coolest thing is, is that as one, I can't do anything. But when I become one in him, I'm now connected to his value, his power. Are you with me this morning? So exciting. Watch it. So God's purpose never ends in our lives until we exchange the desire for something less. For God's purpose to end in your life, in my life, we would have to exchange that desire for something less. Or find an excuse and a reason to drop out of the race. And usually that's connected to your hanging chad. The devil points you back to your scars. He points you back to your... And sometimes, even after we've been put back together by grace... Look at, we're still meant to be used. I'm sorry, you were meant to be used, not preserved. We're not canning fruit here. All right, we're not trying to preserve you. We're trying to spend you and use you for the glory of God. Because God wants to use you, not preserve you. Okay, I heard one guy say it was so good. God's more content about your, your, your character than he is your comfort. So he's not trying to keep you comfortable. Trying to keep you. He, he wants to use you. He wants to know, can I use you? Can I send you? Can, can, can I draw on what I've deposited in you? Are you with me? So his purpose never runs out in our lives until we exchange the desire for something else. What does that mean? It means we are either in or preparing for a season of opportunity and a time of purpose. For he's always at, he is always working in us both to will and to do his good plan. God is always working in it. That's why if you're really wanting to walk by faith, if you're trying to seek and you're diligently seeking him, then you're just always uncomfortable. But we want to get to a place where we can just relax. God will never let you relax because he's not done. He's not done. Well, you know what? And, and we get, well, I did and I serve and I just want to take a break. I did that for years. I did that and all that stuff. And, and, and I shared a couple weeks ago. I thank God. I, I was just thinking about Don. I thought about it again this morning. I need to do something for Don. Don, 1996. Don has been serving as our head usher since 1996. For 20 years. He's been at every service. He's been at every women's meeting. He'd come, he'd been going to every men's meeting, doing all this stuff in service. But he's just, he's just the usher. He's just the guy that shows up. He cleans up, picks up, and it seems, but, but he's, he's faithful and he's there and just serving. And we have so many people that have been part of our church and our core for so many, but they're just faithful at serving. And every bit of it is boring. It has no glory. It's just, it's just the stuff that has to be done to make everything else happen. But then in the middle, while you're doing the boring stuff, somebody gets saved, somebody gets healed, somebody gets delivered, somebody gets restored. And okay, just give me the boring stuff. I'll do it the rest of my life. Amen? Because it's a matter of one being one, and that's my part, that's my position, that's my play, and I'm there. But I'm not just doing stuff. I'm not just doing one stuff. I'm doing one stuff in one. And it has a whole different value to it. Amen? So, watch this. 
That's why we hear, we get, we, we get along with God and we get this stirring. What have you done for me lately? We hear it's a question God is asking all of us if we will listen. Because he always sees the value he placed in it. Hear me today, you are the currency of heaven. You are, th- th- this is the currency of our economy. This is the dollar. This is the United, United States dollar bill. If you go to Europe, they give you Europe. If you go uh, to Europe, you get euros and stuff. If you go to Mexico, you get pesos and whatever and, and stuff. You go, to, you, you go to different countries, and we've traveled. We have currency from other countries and stuff. But, but the, every nation has its own currency. Which, let me just sidestep across this. Why Palestine is not a nation. Palestine has never had its own currency. Or, or anyway, moving back over here. So anyway, it, nations have their own currency, and it's a means of exchange in their, eco- in their economy. God says, you are my currency, and you're the means of exchange in my kingdom. Amen. And what that means is, is that in the United States, I can take this into any store, in any marketplace, in the United States, in any states, across any border, anywhere where this is honored, and I can exchange it for something that's in the store. I can take it out of the store and bring it into my presence. God says, this is what I've done. I've made you my currency. And I've assigned a value to your life. And, and, and I want to take you into the marketplace of this world and redeem my children out of that place and buy them back and bring them into my presence. But the only way I can go into the marketplace of this world and redeem them is when I find people who move from being one in themselves to being one in me and allow me to send them into the marketplace and spin them or sow them betterly into the harvest field. I need people I can sow into the harvest field to reap my harvest. Are you with me? On the back of your outline, write this down. Write this down. Turn over there. Walk through this with me. I'm a little bit in my head myself. See, with money, I have two choices with money when it comes in your hand. You can do two things. You can spend it or you can sow it. Put it together. You can spend it or you can invest it. When you spend money, it leaves you. But when you sow it or invest it, it doesn't leave you. It just moves from your present into your future. Do you understand that? So if I spend it, it's just gone. But if I sow it, 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 it leaves my presence, but it's moved into my future where it's going to multiply, it's going to increase, and it's going to bring favor back to me in my future. And so you and I in the kingdom, we, 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 either, we either spend and waste our value on stupid stuff, or we learn kingdom principle, and we look at our lives, and I say, you know what? If I spend my life, it's gone. But if I sow my life, if, if I sow it into God's purpose at the season and the opportunity that he provides, when I sow it, if I, if I could take the leap of faith and sow my life, then it's not leaving my life. It's just moving from my present into my future where it's going to show up and it will have rearranged things in my favor. Amen? Amen? 
Because, let me put you like this, you're going to arrive at your future whether you prepare for it or not. You can spend your way to your future or you can sow your way into your future. And you're going to end up there either way. Doing all right? But if you've sown into your future, it will be there waiting for you. I had an amazing thing happen this week. When we were... uh, in, uh, in, when we went to Bieber, there were two families that lived in Bieber when we were in Bernie, California, at Bernie Assembly of God. And they came down from Bieber. They drove 45 miles down and would attend church there periodically. We got to know them. And those two families were instrumental in asking us to leave Bernie and go, when, when we were in that transition time, and to go be the pastors at Grace Bible Church in Bieber. Now, one of their sons contacted me this way. He's full grown. I haven't seen him in over 28 years. But through Facebook, we're friends on Facebook and we comment on each other and stuff. He sends me a message. He says, Pastor, can I sow into your ministry? This is a young kid. We raised up, led him to the Lord and their family, when his family worked out, now he's full grown and he has a daughter of his own and all this stuff. And now, over 28 years later, See, I sowed into his life, and we sowed. But now, he's sowing in, and now he's saying, can we, can I give into your ministry? Do you understand what I just said? And so then people go, well, how does that happen? Because something you sow, see, it, it, it left my present, but it didn't leave my life. And, 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 and that's what I tried to tell you last week when I was using Sean's illustration about God restoring my son to me, that, that, that there was that time we were separated and God said, I'm restored your son to you. In fact, I brought the Bible out this week because I didn't, I didn't think you guys would believe me. But this is the Bible that it's written in right here. February 22nd, 1987, Sunday morning, my son Sean is restored and is delivered and restored to me. Okay. February 1997 is when he sat here and gave 10 years later. Okay, so in the process of that 10 years, I'm ministering to this family's children. And and I'm sowing, so God's giving me, but I'm sowing into other families, into other people and doing that. And so I'm sowing, but out of my present, I'm sowing something, but it's not leaving my life, it's just leaving my present. And it went into my future, and now it's rearranged, and now he's still living for the Lord, and, and now... Oh, my gosh. Are you getting this? Woo! Glory to God. I feel a Jess Higginbotham coming on. You have to be here a long time to know who Jess Higginbotham is. Amen. Jess Higginbotham was one of them. He was my mentor while I was going to Bible school for two years. He was an old Pentecostal holiness preacher. He's the neatest old guy. And he just, every time he'd preach, he'd get going and go, and then he'd just run. He'd run around the church. Whoa! And go and run. I feel a just coming on. Hallelujah. Amen. So, watch. What have you done for me lately? God's asking that question because he always sees the value. I need the worship team to come back. He always sees the value he's placed in that. Hear me, guys. You're the currency of the heaven. To redeem the law. On, on the back of your outline, I asked you to write this. When money leaves you, money leaves when you spend it. Money leaves when you spend it. 
Money leaves when you spend it. And then put this down. Seed returns when you sow it. Seed returns when you sow it. And then write in multiplied form. Seed returns when you sow it in multiplied form. Now watch this. In the kingdom, I have the value of one. But if I would take one step to one person in obedience to what God has asked me to do, my one would become two. And then in one more step, if two of us took one more step together, our two would become four. Okay? And then if we took, if the four of us just took one more step together, in three steps, my one would go from one to eight. But, but we're just one getting one. Are you with me? We're just one getting one. So in that one step. And then if we took the next step, in the fourth step, we would be 16. And then in the fifth step, we would be 32. And then in the sixth step, we would be 64. And then in the seventh step, we would be 128. And then in the eighth step, we'd be 256. In the ninth step, we'd be 552. Right? And in the tenth step, we'd be 1,000. And what, four, right? Something like that, if my math is right. Huh? 1,104. 1,104. In 10 steps. Just 10 steps of one doing what one can do. And then with one more, just one more time doing what one could do. And then just one more time doing, if we did that 10 times. Okay, now watch. 180 people in here this morning. In one step, we would be 360. In two steps, you would be 720. In, four, in, in, in three steps... Be 1440 in five steps. I'm, I'm up four or five. Four, okay, in four steps, 2480. 28, 28, 80. More than you can comprehend. And then in the next, now, now what? But, but you're not, you're not, re, you're, it's just one being the currency of heaven to touch one. So what I'm asking you to do, this is the season of opportunity for you to have faith for one, to take a step for one person. You could start with Easter. You could take a card and say, God, I believe you could lead me to one person. 
that you put a gift on, you've given me a gift, 1 Corinthians 12, 7, you put a gift in me that I could reach somebody else. So it's in me, not for me to keep, it's in for me to spend, to be, to sow and to be invested. And so if I allow the Holy Spirit to lead me and to sow that gift, that gift will go from one to one more added to it. And then that one going with me would be more and then more. Amen? Here's the secret. Remember when I lined everybody up over here? And I had Jeff move out and, and, and go up to the other place, want to go up there. That's, that's the way going where God sends you. You don't get to go to who you want to go to. You go to who he sends you to. And unless he sends you there, you're not the one who's supposed to reap there. That's not your harvest. And the biggest things for you to get over is your family is not your harvest field. More than likely, somebody else is going to have to reap the harvest of your family. Are you doing okay? There's that place you have to let them go. Years ago, my grandmother told my mom. My mom was fretting over me and over my brother for years. And grandma said, honey, you have to let them go. You have to commit them to God and go on about your business. Commit them to the Lord and go on about it. As parents, you raise your children to know God. And they're going to enter into the season of their life where they got to figure it all out. And you got to release them to their choices. you got to be their prayer, prayer covering over them and stuff. And there will be a day when you get to be the father and welcome them back. And you see the restoration of the prodigal. But you got to release them to the far country and let them make their stupid decisions. Eat their pig slop and let them come to themselves. Or else you're going to be caught up with them and you're going to be trying to, you're getting out of line to get up here. Doing okay? Instead of saying, no, I'm just going to stay in my lane. I'm going to stay in that lane and I'm going to reach the one God is sending me to. And so while I'm reaching this young man and I'm reaching other young men and I minister to them, God's fulfilling His word to me. And so 10 years later, it comes to pass. But you know what? It's not my responsibility. I'm standing on his promise. Me and my house will be saved. When I had opportunity, I ministered to him. I ministered to all my children. I fulfilled my responsibility. The rest is up to him and my covenant with him. So I'm standing. I believe in his covenant. I believe in his promise. And I'm standing on that. Therefore, I'm free to sow my life in the place that he's assigned to me. Am I helping you this morning? And when you do that, then that's where increase is connected. Increase is connected to the place he's asking you to sow, not the place you want to go. Are you with me? Stand with me this morning. I only type notes so you think I know where I'm going. Bow your heads with me. Maybe you're here today. And you're a prodigal. You've just been away, made all your own choices, all your own ways, and just doing your own thing. 